Welcome to the Roz Project Overdrive, an extension of the Roz Project Live that airs every Monday and Friday at 11 Central, 12 p.m. Eastern in audio and video on Facebook Live, Periscope, Twitch, LinkedIn Live and YouTube, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech and marketing. And of course, I'm your host, Ivan Tomokov, and this is where you will gather 100% real, raw, and unfiltered, life-changing advice to help you level up in every aspect of your life and business and help you reach your goals and dreams. And today, I am joined by a good friend, Matt Bertho. Matt, how's it going, man? Great, Ivan. Thank you so much for having me, bro. Like, this is, this is awesome. I'm so grateful for you. I love your intro. It's awesome. Absolutely, man. You know, this is long overdue. This is so long overdue. And I'm glad that we are finally making this happen. But before we jump into, you know, you sharing a little bit about your story, I want to I want to share, you know, a little bit about your bio, because so people, you know, listeners and watchers can, you know, understand where you come from. So bachelor's degree in music education and a master's in vocal performance. You've been a vocal music teacher for over 17 years, a Grammy teacher of the year quarterfinalist in 2014. Huge. He, uh, you are also in the East Hill Figure Proficiency Certified and presented yeah, the World East Hill Symposium Estel, in London. Estel, 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 correct. That's all right. Um, now having over 40 private voice students, you're also a peak performance coach and uh, self-help coaching businesses with Nathan Mansfield called Nathan and Matt. And you're currently living in Winfield, Kansas with uh, your wife and two sons. So, uh, Matt, I mean, <laughs> the reason I wanted to read this out, man, is I, I want to preface who you are, because I don't think a lot of people understand how powerful a voice is and what a voice can do. But let's start with young Matt. Let's talk a little bit about young Matt. Tell us a little bit about your youngster days and what led you up to you know, be take an interest in the voice, really. Uh, I'm so glad I get to talk about my young days because I just got, I just finished today, uh, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. And if you guys have not checked that out yet, you need to buy it and read it and claim your past back because that's what that book did for me. I, uh, I sat in this chair right over here next to me, bawling this morning because um it just it made me understand why i chose the word legacy for my choir program this year because i knew that we would have to be ultra resilient and ultra strong to make it through the coronavirus and super innovative and creative also so my past uh i grew up in kansas uh kind of a redneck uh, listen to country, listen to some Bon Jovi, like we were talking about before, uh, listen to boys to men, Garth Brooks. Um, my mom, uh, showed me musicals when I was little. Um, I played three sports, uh, football, baseball, and wrestling. Um, I, uh, was a state champion wrestler on a four-time state champion team in high school. Um, I was a catcher in baseball and played uh defensive end and defensive tackle in football and i weighed like 170 pounds playing that um <laughs> i i'm i was so competitive 
I uh, people don't like playing board games with me because I would get so pissed if I lost. But that was just a part of me being me and being creative or being competitive. Um, but I, I was the kid that was in the on the the dirt bikes, the not dirt bikes, motorcycles, but bikes. You know, like the BMX bikes, and yep. we're playing cops and robbers on the dirt and throwing dirt clods at each other and making my brothers cry. I, one time, I ran my brother. You know those those three wheelers, the mm -hmm. the toy three. I ran him directly into a tree, just because he made me mad one day. Like the Bertho house. <laughs> was much like the McConaughey house, not as extreme, but it really, that book really made me reclaim my uh, past. And I want to say something about that. I, I want to thank you for letting me talk about my past because I threw it away, Ivan, and I'm not, I'm not lying about that. And, mm -hmm. that. and that's what's changed the last two weeks with me. And it, it feels really good to claim it back. You know, I want to share something about that real quick. And I asked this question, everybody, every guest that comes on the podcast about their story and about their background. And here's why is because as humans, we're an extension of our past, whether you like it or you didn't. So, but you have the choice, you have the power, whether or not you choose to embrace it, because there's some people who choose to forget their past because they didn't live it up to their expectations. So I'm glad you said that reclaiming your past after reading Matthew McConaughey's book, mm. because a lot of people forget their past. They yeah. move on with the future. They move on with their lives because they don't they don't recognize that the past is in part who you are today. I think I was embarrassed about my past. I think that I uh, didn't like um, the way that I allowed uh, myself to get caught up in some of the racism, some of the homophobia, mm -hmm. um, and being in small town, Kansas. I mean, it was, it was pretty wild, you know? Um, and I was embarrassed about that guy, but that guy is who I am is who, who made me who I am today. And without those experiences, yeah. without those memories, and they're really rich, man. And that's, that's why I love the book so much is because it made me remember the things that I threw away. And yeah. so I went to college. Uh, I quit sports cold turkey completely. No dumb choice. No adult said to me, Matt, you've been an athlete since you were five. You think that's a good idea? Not, not one adult said, you need to work out every day, Matt, because your body is used to working out every day. Mm -hmm. So what happened in college? I got up to 272 pounds. It took me six and a half years to graduate, by the way, because I did not know how to read music. I did not know how to sing. I did not know what key signatures were. I didn't know jack about anything about music. I didn't know how to play piano. I was the jock boy that got made fun of every single day. Wow. And at one point, I remember in college, one of these little tenor boys, because I'm a tenor, a first tenor, one of these tenor boys said to me, he goes, oh, well, why don't you feel it then, Bertho? Why don't you just feel it? Because you always talk about feeling the music. And I was like, yeah, which is really fun because we're going to yeah. talk about that today and how it serves me in a major capacity now. Yeah. And that's where my research is going too. But anyway, 
I got all the solos that I wanted because I was competitive. Because I started to figure out, well, I could figure out maybe theory, maybe I could figure out to play piano, but it took me literally, Ivan, six and a half years to graduate college because I jacked around, I hung out with the athletes, we played Madden football, and we liked to have a good time. All right. We stayed up to like three. My freshman year, fail, 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 fail. I had to take theory over twice because wow. I failed it. But and I think, go ahead. You know, to mention to that, Matt, is so uh, six and a half years, right? Is I think the problem with that is, is that I is that you probably from your past, from your childhood, getting into college were taught that well, six and a half years means that you suck major ass. Yep. Right? I, I was the idiot boy. <laughs> But in reality, I think some part of you today is thankful that you went through that. Oh, it's huge, huge. Right. I mean, but, but going through it, Ivan was so embarrassing. It, yeah. So I got, okay. So I, I worked at CompUSA selling computers. I never had a computer growing up. My family was blue collar to the max, bro. Like we went bankrupt. I wore my mom, my, not my mom's clothes. I wore my dad's clothes sometimes because yeah. I didn't, I, I wanted to, I wanted to be cool. Right. And, and I remember I got that first computer when I was working at CompUSA. Mm -hmm. It was a compact and I got it on refurb. You remember those? It was like 435 bucks. And I tricked yep. that sucker out, put the video card in, the sound card, got the best monitor I could find, right? Yep. And then I got greedy and I helped this dude on the side, this lawyer dude, and he was flashing $100 bills in front of me and said, you just can come hook this up. And so then I'm working one day and this lawyer dude comes in, tells my GM, GM calls me in, I get fired for moonlighting because they did that business also. So I got fired and then I got super depressed. Yeah. And my, my wife now, she was my girlfriend at the time. She yeah. goes, Matt, so backstory, I didn't deal with something really traumatic that happened in my childhood, which was my grandfather, Bertho, shot himself in the chest with a shotgun when I was a junior in high school. And it wrecked me it wrecked my family like the yeah. bertho family in that farm gone somebody else lives there now one of my dreams is actually to reclaim that property in the future like that's a dream that i have and and just buy it and have it in the family bro because yeah. after he did that i was so bitter and I, I remember at the funeral i went to my dad and i told him i said dad don't you ever do this. Wow. Because, because I knew that he felt deeply like my grandpa Bertho felt deeply and I feel deeply. Right. So my, my, I went to therapy. This is the best advice I've ever got in therapy in my life. I don't, it was this, uh, Matt, how do you want to handle conflict? I said, what do you mean? How do I want to handle conflict? Well, how'd your mom and dad handle conflict? Well, my mom would go lock herself in the bedroom and cry. 
and my dad would would go outside and drink like a six pack and cook chicken. And that's what I did in college, Ivan. And she was like, yeah, so you're a exact replica of your mom and your dad, and you learned how to handle conflict from them. And I was like, holy crap. Are you kidding me? And then yeah. she said something that was gold. She said, Matt, how do you want to handle conflict? Mm. And I said, I want to attack it. I want to hit it head on. I want to face it head on. That's the way I want to do it. Ever since then, that's the way I do it. Change the game. You that moment, I, go ahead. Well, not to interject, I wanted to go back to um, the experience that you talked about with your grandfather that was, you know, clearly was traumatic, but there's a key lesson here is this that, by the way, you should hold on to that dream of reclaiming that property. You're I'm going to. I'm totally should. going to. Um, but as you were talking about that is I think as human beings, we all experience some traumatic events in our lives, you know, on different magnitudes, you know, um, for instance, I know my ex-wife's mom committed suicide while we we're together in my first marriage. And that literally completely changed her as a person. Obviously, yeah. I think in part wrecked my marriage because yeah. She changed from a character and personality standpoint, completely, completely yeah. different person. But those kinds of traumatic events and, and what your grandfather went through, it impacts us. It impacts our conscience. And when it, yeah. it impacts our conscience and maybe even our soul, I think probably our soul because it's so deep, as it, it forces us to go into a reactive mode. And that's what I think was happening with you in college is this that, you know, after because I think your father maybe also felt guilt at some point that he felt maybe that he could he could have. Oh, he totally did. He's he 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 felt bad because he didn't answer the call and he didn't go over to where they live. And right. he felt like it was his fault his entire life that my grandfather did that. So he blamed himself. And I think as, as a result, it affected his behavior, which, you know, like you said, drinking, cooking. So he he became a totally different person. And yeah. since you were young, you basically sponged that. And you said, well, mom and dad are doing this. Yeah. So I want to do this in college. Exactly. But the I, I think the turning point for you was um, when you were questioned, how do you want to handle tough situations? How Matt wants to handle them, not everybody else that's telling Matt how that you should handle them, but how you should handle them, which is become more responsible, more accountable, take control of your own life. And I think, well, six and a half years of college, I'm glad that happened actually for you because you learn. Otherwise, you probably, I mean, you may well, or may not have. Well, part of the reason why I was six and a half was I changed my major three times. I started out music education and then I went to uh, voice performance and I realized I had to learn foreign language and I felt, I felt dumb. I, w I felt like I wasn't the smart kid. Right. And so then I went religion because I love spirituality. Yep. I love God. And I didn't like the church because it felt corrupt a little bit because I was on the inside of it. And I, I, they were talking a lot about money a lot and I didn't like that. And yeah. so I went back to uh, my guy that was in charge of the music education program. 
and I said, um, I'm supposed to be a teacher and I need to be a teacher. This is what I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life. He said, well, Matt, you're going to have to pass math for liberal arts with a C or better. And you're going to have to write a paper of why we should even let you back in the program. Okay. So I graduated, obviously. All right. I, um, had a choice. You're going to, I don't think I've ever told you this. Mm -mm. There was a guy that worked for ethanol corporation in Wichita. His name is Bob Casper. He's a CEO. I didn't even know what CEO meant at the time. All right. So he was like, Matt, I have an opportunity for you. You can have your own plant. You could run it. You can manage it and you can just work your way up. There's no office. It's an open office. It was like the perfect job, right? Loads of money, loads of money in the future, blah, blah, blah. But what I remember, Ivan, I got stabbed in the back being greedy. I got fired from CompUSA for being greedy. And right. God told me, well, so I'm at baccalaureate and my uncle-in-law, who's Andrea's uncle, he was the chaplain at Friends University. He, he still is, he still works there. He's an amazing guy. James Brian Smith is his name. You can check him out. He has his own podcast. He's a great dude. Mm -hmm. um, but he said to us at baccalaureate, again, these little moments, right? These little moments in history that we remember. He said, the best thing that you can do in, in your life is help somebody else. And I was like, oh, okay, duh. I know what I'm going to do. So I went to yeah. his house. I pulled up job opportunities in Kansas. At this point, it's, it's the end of May. You know, things are kind of, kind of getting taken, right? There was one job open, just one that was a 5A school that had coaching opportunities for football and wrestling. Just one, Winfield. Right. My rival from Arc City in high school, 10 miles north, the rival of where I grew up. And I was like, well, it's meant to be. Did all the work, got the job. I've been there for 17 years. I don't even know, like, there's been a lot of ups and downs, but in sure. the beginning, in the beginning, it was all about numbers, bro. It was all about compete, compete. It was all about uh, the chip on my shoulder that all these classmates in college said I wasn't smart enough, said I couldn't do it. And at one point, we, we took a loads to district and loads to state for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And then when I was 40, I got bored because I did it every year and we had the same success every year. And I saw my students going off and doing amazing things, listening to all the crazy things I told them about what makes them tick. Why are they on earth? What's their purpose? What do they love? Yeah. And they remember, and they, and, and that's the question I asked them every single year on the first day of school, Ivan. Those little freshmen that come in, that's the first thing they hear of me say. What makes you tick? Why are you on yeah. earth? What's your purpose? What do you love? And I say, in the next four years, you're going to figure that out. Yeah. But, but on that January 1st, four years ago, right out here, I yelled at God in the universe, I want my health back. I weighed 225 pounds at the time. I lost 63 pounds in six months because I surrendered. Wow. The next year I said, God in the universe on January 1st, I said, 
okay, that worked. I want to keep my health and I want to coach more pros and I don't want to be limited to any opportunity and I want to be open to everything that comes my way. So God in the universe is tricky and crafty, all right? Right. Notice I said pros. I did not preface singing pros. Mm-hmm. So then I hear about a dude named Ed Milet and Andy Frisella. And I start listening to the podcast and I start listening to them talk. And I'm like, I like these dudes. They talk a lot like me. This is cool. All right. <laughs> so then RT Syndicate opens up. I'm like, whatever. My chiropractor, Doug, he's the one that told me all about this. He was like, I don't know. It's kind of expensive. I'm going to wait for a little bit. And I was like, mm, we just had a car payment go up. Filled out the application, probably 10 minutes, passionate words through my text. Ugh. Because what did I want more than anything, Ivan? I wanted to be around people like me. People that dream, people that have vision, people that want more about life, people that want to find out who they really are and share their light. Yep. I joined the RFT Syndicate. I started coaching a business professional, Nathan Mansfield, because he told me I want to be able to speak in front of people. Mm. I want my voice to be heard. I want to be on that stage someday in front of thousands of people, inspiring them and teaching them how to be better self. And I was oh. like, shoot, I got this. This is easy. So about second call, he's like, Matt, you're just not a vocal coach. You got to quit just saying you're a vocal coach. That's just not everything that you are, man. I was like, well, oh. I know that, but I don't know what I am. He goes, you're a peak performance coach. I was like, all right, I'll try that on for a while. So 2020 happened. 2020, January 1st, I'm down at Lake Texoma with my mom and my dad and my family. And my dad taught my sons. He tried to teach them how to fish. And it was not successful. It's December, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but he, he made s'mores with my sons. Mm-hmm. And we made pizza. And, and media, social media and the internet didn't work down there. There was no internet. And I got to spend something that I will never forget for the rest of my life. And on a deck on or on a dock on a lake, I said 22 goals out loud to God in the universe mm-hmm. because it worked. And I was like, all right, well, let's do this. And I made all these goals and a third of them happened, Ivan. Yeah. And the rest are in process right now. June 20th, 2020, my dad passed away of a heart attack. Yeah. And there's something that Ed said in the call on Wednesday that really resonated with me because he lost his father. Mm-hmm. And it was this. When my dad passed away, it felt like his energy, his spirit, his essence filled me up and energized me almost like it recycled inside of me and lit me on fire. And what Ed said was something that affected this. It made me feel like I have to risk it all now. I have nothing to lose now because you know what, Ivan, I'm next. I'm next. Yeah. You know, um, a couple of things I wanted to mention that you touched upon that are really important. The first thing is 
I believe that the best leaders in the world are teachers and educators because they reciprocate everything that they have learned, good and bad, onto the next generation and the next generation, the next generation. And that's what you do with your freshmen every year, right, when they come in. But another thing that you mentioned um, about your father, and I remember when you actually made that post on Facebook, and I could feel the emotion that was filled in that post. But I will tell you this, you know, it's like they say circle of life, which is so cliche. You're born, you live, you die. Mm. End of game. Yeah. Right. But what you do in that time that you are here, which is why I think you got so infused and you felt like your father's energy mm. literally like fumed inside of you is because it was a reminder and honestly what's so unfortunate for us as human beings is that it actually takes uh, a sacrifice or a loss for most of us believe it or not to truly really remind you of what did god put you on this planet for hmm. and that was because as you were describing it like I could feel how emotional that was. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think there's so much greatness that awaits you. Mm -hmm. And now with this experience, you have all the more of a reason, you know, you already had reasons and people have reasons for why they do things, hopefully all good reasons to yeah. do things. But now you have more reasons. Yeah. And as you were talking about with your grandfather also, I think that was another instance and I mean, I'll share an example with you. In April of 2020, my uh, wife's grandfather passed away. And it was a terrible fucking way to die. Yeah. Basically, this was when COVID was really accelerating. He was put into a nursing home. He was isolated. Nobody could see him. The only person that was by his bedside was his son when he died. Terrible way to die. Now... I remember I had a call two weeks before that when he was in the nursing home and I, I almost literally started crying. And mind you, I don't remember the last time I cried. Well, I do. Mm. When my son was born and my daughter, I cried oh, yeah. and I tried to hide. Oh, it. Yeah. So, you know, my wife and my parents and her mom wouldn't see me bawling like a fucking young kid. But we, we had that conversation, man. You see, my 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 wife's grandfather was the guy that always put everybody in, in, in front of himself. He was the one that would cook the Thanksgiving dinner. He was the right. one that always would go above and beyond for his wife, married 51 years, mind you. Wow. 51 years. But you know what I heard in that call? I heard regret. He mm -hmm. would say, you know, I wish I could have done that. Man. And towards probably the last, I would say, five years. So he retired from the railroad. And he used to take these golf trips every year for a week and go down south since they live in central Illinois and just spend it with all his railroad buddies, just golfing for a week. What's the one thing he enjoyed so much, Matt? Literally, he gave him peace. You know what I realized right then and there when I had that phone call is the day is coming. You said, I'm next. I'm next. Mm -hmm. It's only a matter of my churn. I am next. Yep. Depends yep. on when my churn is. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be the day after. But here's the thing is 
when I'm on the deathbed, hopefully, and I look back, and I think this is something for you, is to truly feel that have you accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish? Did you influence and impact the people in your life, the way you do as a teacher, as an educator? You want to know why? It's because we need to contribute to those people. We need to contribute to them in order to help them change their lives. And you're doing that. That's what more people need to do because let's face it, there's no, there's literally high demand and there's never shortage of positivity, optimism, goodness in the world. Yeah. So I think that for you, these chain of events, six and a half years of college, you know, blue collar, you know, struggle financially, your grandfather, yep. your dad, believe it or not, those things were supposed to happen. Yeah. And I, I want to share something that my mom said to me um, that was very profound. She says, this is after this is after my dad's memorial. I think uh, we had it in November. We waited a long time. We had three. He had three memorials. Like that oh. was rough. And I sang at every single one of them. Um, That's awesome. But it was hard. It was really hard. Mm -hmm. But she said, Matt, your grandpa Bertho felt deeply, but he didn't show it and he didn't talk about it. She said, Matt, your father felt deeply. He didn't talk about it, but he showed it. She goes, right. Matt, you feel deeply and you talk about it and you show it. And so what I've done is I've broken the cycle. And that's one thing I help people with in my coaching is I help them be vulnerable. I help them show themselves. All right. Yeah. Um, there's some, we were going to talk about energy and I just want to dive into that for a second. Um, mm -hmm. Ever since I was a little boy, I was a weird kid that would, I'd go in the bathroom and I'd take a pencil, I'd put it on the ground and I would literally try to move it with my energy. I was that kid. I was the kid in college that went to a damn Indian shaman, not kidding, in Leon, Kansas. Her name was Iron Bear and she gave me a reading. She told me all about my past lives. She told me, what my aura was, she said it was white, it changes color. But I remember a few things that she said. She goes, Matt, you're a healer. And you're not a healer in a doctor way, but you're yeah. a healer. You help people. And I, I remember that. And I, because I was thinking about that this morning, I was like, wow, she was on the money, like on the money. But what I want to talk about is energy for a second. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a, there, there, there's, there's four different types of energy that I would like you guys to be aware of. One is thought energy. And if you guys have read any of Dispenza's research, he measures the brain like a magician. He is the man, all right? He has measured thought energy, all right? It's proven, all right? He's also measured the electromagnetic magnetic field that is around every single one of us, okay? So when I read Becoming Supernatural on my first round of 75 hard, again, I was sitting in this chair and I said, holy shit. And Andrea goes, what? I was like, holy shit. She's like, what? I was right. I was right the whole time. I thought I was crazy <laughs> because it said this, Ivan, energy is yeah. frequency. Frequency carries information. 
in the 2013 at voice lessons with me, I told a high school student, Mariah, I said, Mariah, feel first, feel first deeply, close your eyes, feel it. Yep. Tell me inside, outside day, night, what is it? Don't, don't, don't tell me, visualize it. All right. You got it. Sing. She'd sing. I told her exactly where she was, what was around her. And I was like, what is this? This was in 2013. Yeah. I got rid of it because I thought I was crazy. And I, and I started the Esto voice model, which is a scientific voice method, which I can have a whole podcast about, yeah. but it changed the game for me. All right. But we're talking about energy right now. Right. So the first one is thought energy. The second one is written word or typed word. That is a form of energy. All right. The third one is vocal energy. What we do with our voices. Mm -hmm. All right. And I know that can be scientifically proven also because we have a voice print in the Esto software. It's all called, also called a spectrogram that measures the voice in uh, Hertz, uh, decibels, power spectrum, the whole thing, man. Our voices create, like our vocal cords are the size of your fingernails and they sit inside your throat, all right? Yeah. When, they, when air goes through them and they touch, that's how sound is made, all right? And they, there are like three different kinds of vocal folds. There's false vocal folds, true vocal folds. There's thick folds, thin folds, stiff folds. There's all these different folds. Like I'll show you real quick. E, that's thick. E, stiff. E, thin. Slack. E, okay. And so that's the craft of the Estel voice model. All right. Yeah. In the Estel voice model, there's artistry which is how you use it, the mediums you use it with, right? I'm gonna sing opera, I'm gonna sing rock, I'm gonna sing country, and I'm gonna do it with this flavor. Right. I'm gonna tell this story. It's about storytelling. But the third pillar is what I presented on in London in 2019. And I took a group of 15 people. We were the closer of the day. I talked about using Estel in the public schools, transformational magic. Magic is the third pillar of the Esto voice model. Guess what? Guess how much research is done about magic in the Esto voice model, Ivan? Little to none. Zero. Nobody's dove into it because in yeah. every medium, whether it's engineering or whether it's carpentry or podcasting or speaking or any kind of business venture, people focus on craft and artistry. That's it. Yep. They don't, they don't focus on the magic. The magic is what is the most important thing. You have to have craft. You have to master it. You have yep. to have artistry. You have to master it, but you got to dive into magic as soon as possible. So voice is energy. The last one is action. Actions, energy, kinesthetic energy. You have to yep. do it. You got to open the door. So I came up with intention steps. And so intention steps are the following. You set your breathing, you get in a mindful state. You say, I am positive statements based on the research in Joe Dispenza's book. I am whole, I am love, I am joy, I am bliss. And then you feel it, the more you can feel it, the more your electromagnetic field will expand. I'm whole, I'm love, I'm joy, I'm bliss. 
and you picture and visualize hugging your kids, hugging your wife, hugging whoever it is, like you, you get those triggers quick. All right. Right. You do your I am statements. Then you visualize the scene. What do I want my audience to feel from me? How do I want them to react to me? What are they wearing? What are they going to say? Is it inside? Is it outside? Is it day or night? You visualize the whole thing. And then you take action. You open the door. And that's the intention steps. Now, yeah. if you put intention steps behind thought, energy multiplies. If you put the intention steps behind the typed or written word, guess what? When people read your words, when people read your words that you typed, they're going to feel it. They're going to feel what you intended because your energy is attached to it. Voice, when you set your intention before you speak, they're going to feel what you feel. You know, one thing I wanted to mention about that, um, when you were speaking about intent and energy behind your word, it reminds me of uh, back in eighth grade, which was like the second year when we immigrated to the States. And I was that kid, uh -huh. mind you, I loved math back in the day. So like algebra type math, loved it, man. Something about numbers. If there's one thing I wish I would have retained, it would have been that. Because let's just mm. face it, everybody sucks at math, especially <laughs> numbers. True. So I used to be that kid in class that would literally, so, so the teacher would write out the problem on the board and I'm watching, I'm like, I know the answer. I know the answer to this immediately. I was literally that fucking smart, believe it or not, back wow. in those days. That's impressive. And then I would get the answer. I would usually be the first one and raise my hand. I'd be like, I got the answer. I got the answer, right? What you just said right there is about intent and energy is yep. describes that because that that is how I speak. That mm. is who I am. I always yep. have. Yeah. Because I speak with intent and with own energy. it. Yeah. If you don't feel it, then there's one or two reasons. One, you're just not vibing me or two, we can't connect. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that, too. And then the fourth one is action. Obviously, if you're working out, if you're going to do a sales pitch, if you're going to walk into a room, you set intention before the action, it's going to go in your favor almost every single time. All right. Yeah. So backtrack for a second. Now you know why I yelled out loud for the last four years to God in the universe and why I figured out it worked. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to diffuse something real quick. There's a lot of people that say positive affirmations don't work, blah, 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 blah. Right. Really? Have you looked at my life lately? Because they're working. <laughs> yeah. But you got to mean it. You can't just say it. You can't just recite the, the greatest quote or the greatest poem that you have memorized to look fancy. You got to mean it from your heart and your soul. And that's something that I say to my voice students all the time when they get it right and, and this voice comes out or, or like a speaker, like Ed, is, you know, at the RTA Live, he was talking about when he was coaching his son to golf and they did the golf tournament. Yep. And he's like, come on, Max, let's go, right? Everybody felt that in the entire space. I was there for that. I was yes, there you for were. That yes, you no. were. And you're right. And actually, you just gave me an amazing idea for a new T-shirt intentional 
literally one word intentional let, let me get it let me get some of that profit let me get some some of that profit on that one no but, that's go ahead <laughs> but energy is frequency frequency carries information they were talking about it on clubhouse the other day and i was yeah. like man I, I even raised my hand i was like oh i can i can rock this right now yep. here's the deal this is my theory all right this is gonna get wacky here we go i believe that some of the mystics and some of the people like i i think that we're going to get to a point in our human evolution where we're going to be able to actually measure specific frequencies of energy that humans are outputting and then i also believe like you said vibing yeah everybody says vibing but check this out i'm gonna shake the world up real quick when people say they're vibing do they really know what they're saying i'm gonna tell you what they're saying they are saying this hey you over there we're vibing what does that mean it means that we are on the same frequency and we are vibrating on the same energy spectrum yep yep that's what it means you hit the nail on the head is because this and not to cut not to kill the vibe so to speak because i know i'm <laughs> not to kill the vibe but you're 100 correct this is why in business in entrepreneurship going back to that you know experience that ed was sharing on stage that people felt it is because he spoke with authority he meant mm -hmm. it. The energy was there. I felt that. And honestly, I could so connect with it then because it spoke with a vibe. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I need in my life. I've always had this in my life. And people have tried to kill that vibe. Don't let them kill your energy, man. Don't let them kill your vibration. It's you. Exactly. And, and I'm and I'm going to talk about how do you raise it, right? Because because mm -hmm. probably everybody's like, how do I raise my vibration? How do I raise right. my energy? How do I feel the fire that Bertho's feeling right now? Like what is going on, right? <laughs> I mean, I've always been this kid. I've always been like this. Right. And what I I got made fun of because I was too serious when people made fun of me. Why? Because I felt that they were feeling. I felt that they were being hateful. Yeah. You can't lie. You can't lie to me, but here's the deal. This is why I do the Wim Hof breathing. This is why I do the Dispenza meditation every morning with the Wim Hof breathing. This is why I am doing my four books and journaling. Yeah. This is why I take cold baths. This is why I run every single day. June 20th, 2021 will be 10 years straight of running every single day consecutively at least one mile because what i found ivan is i found my kind of blueprint i don't know everything about what i need yet but that's the journey that's the journey infinity the journey eight representation i'm going to throw that little plug in there for journey eight because yep. journey eight is about a journey eight the eight is infinity because we all have a journey that overlaps somebody else's next journey. And our journey is ours and it's ours alone and our past and our present and our future all are a part of this magnificent, crazy journey. And there's going to be pain and there's going to be pitfalls. But don't you want to feel it all? Don't you want to feel every moment of it? because I want to change a thing in my life right now. 
But I'm going to tell you something that's very scary is this statement. Now I have the courage to let go, to let go and let God in the universe lead. I'm not in control anymore. God in the universe, I surrender my life to you. Yep. And I said it on January 1st and I made a video about it. It's very mm -hmm. vulnerable. And people are scared to say those words. You know why? Because they're afraid of not being in control. Yeah. You know, and and not to kill the vibe because I know we're on a short time frame, but you actually brought something that I don't care as long as you're a human and we all are humans is that to understand that if you don't feel you're not living. Nope. You're not. And how do you feel? Like you said, you take cold baths, you run and I fucking know you run because you've been documenting this for at least a year that I've been following you on social media. And that's mm. not to say that, Hey, I'm just going to go live like everybody else. No, this is you feeling the moment. Take every day action and it's a different thought every day yeah that's what's so beautiful about it and man we might have to do a second episode honestly let's do it i'm i'm fine let's do it uh but just to sign off on this one you know throw some plugs out there on how people can connect with you because you have massive value to mm -hmm. offer how can people connect with you uh, you can connect with me, Voice by Matt, on Instagram. You can DM me there. Uh, you can uh, email me if you want, mbertho at me.com, M-B-E-R-T-H-O-T at me.com. Uh, find me on Facebook, uh, Matt Bertho. You can uh, message me there. Um, you can get in touch with Ivan if you want. Um, I am currently accepting clients, but as Ivan said in the beginning, it's a it's a packed house but I can make it work. Um, yep. But I want to I want to make it work for people that want to make it work, that want to speak with passion, that want people to feel what they feel. Those are the people that I want to work with. Yep. Matt, thank you so much, man. This was an amazing conversation. Love you, brother. Thank you.